thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Thank you for each person who is here. Pray that you would help me now. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to cling uh, close to you, Lord Christ. And give us ears to hear what you want to say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I didn't necessarily plan it like this, but I think uh, the message today is appropriate for Mother's Day. Because one of the reasons we honor our mothers is that we see in their life a a self-giving love, a sacrificial love. And as Christians, we know that the perfect example of this self-giving love, this sacrificial love, is Jesus Christ himself. And we see in the Gospel of John, I'll be preaching from that section there in John 15, that Jesus calls all of his disciples to this kind of love. Love one another as I have loved you. That's for men and women and boys and girls. Anybody who claims to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So, very simple message uh, this morning and a simple reminder. It's a basic message, but who among us can say, you know what, when it comes to... uh, To this matter of self-giving, sacrificial love, I've aced the test. There's no room for growth. Who among us could say that? I think we all have, and I certainly do, room to grow in this matter of loving like Jesus. And so what I want to do is just look at what Jesus says here, particularly kind of towards the end of this passage, starting at verse 9. And we see here... Three things. The source of this love that we are to have for one another. The source of it. The condition of it. The condition that's required to be the kind of people who love like Jesus. And then the result of it. So the source, the condition, the result. The source of this love, of course, is Jesus' love for us. It comes from Him to us. Love one another, He says, as what? I have loved you. As I have loved you. Jesus gave these disciples again and again an example of His love for them. In fact, uh, He has just demonstrated a kind of living parable of his love for them before he said these words. These words were spoken on the same night that he washed the disciples' feet. These words take place at the Last Supper. These are part of Jesus' farewell words to his disciples as he's headed to the cross and the emphasis over and over and over again in these passages from John 13 through 15. 16 and 17, really, is love one another. As he's taking his disciples aside to teach them privately, and he's giving them an illustration, a living parable of that, the kind of love he's talking about when it says in verse 13, 
I'm sorry, in, in chapter 13, when he had washed their feet, the work of a slave, the work of a servant, this kind of humble love, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's what I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you, here it is, an example. An example to follow. And then he says, this is my new commandment, that you love one another. We remember this on Monday, Thursday, don't we? So Jesus gives them an example of the kind of love that he's talking about. And friends, isn't it true that if we have known the love of Jesus, it changes us? If we have seen the love of Jesus, it does something in our, it shifts something in our heart, in our mind, in our will. If we have known something of the love of Jesus. Those disciples never forgot the hands of Jesus washing and touching their dirty feet. They never forgot that. And they never forgot that those same hands were nailed to a cross for their sins. They never forgot the nail-scarred hands of Jesus that proved His love for them. And if you doubt the love of God for you today, look to those nail-scarred hands. So He gave us an example of His love for us. But more than that, his love is in us if we belong to Him, if we are united to Him by faith, if we love Him. His love is in us. It's not just, hey, do what I'm showing you, but become the kind of person that I am by being, stay, by, by, by being connected to me, staying connected to me. That's the major emphasis in John 15, isn't it? I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot produce this fruit. The vine has the life. The vine has the sustenance. The vine has the nutrients. And a, a grape can't say to the branch, I don't need you anymore. I'll grow on my own. An apple can't say to the trunk of the tree, I'm going off. I'm going rogue. I'll do my own thing. I'll grow by myself. No, that the fruit needs to cling to the vine because the life is in the vine. And that's the, the analogy that Jesus is using here. That you need to abide in me. A Christian can't say to Christ, I don't need you. I'll produce Christ-like love on my own. No, we have to stay connected to Christ who is the source of this love. Abide in me, he says. Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. Five times and then he gets to this section. Abide in my love. Stay connected to my love so that this love can be produced in you. This fruit can grow in you. And, and, and so this is what he's saying to his disciples. This is what you need to do in order to experience the joy that I want you to have my witness in the world. You need to, to love one another like this. Think about these disciples. In some ways, they were very different from one another. In some ways, they were similar. They were Jewish, from the same region. 
but in some ways they were very different from one another. You had Matthew, who was a tax collector, working for the Roman government who was oppressing the Jewish people. You had Simon the Zealot, who was part of a political group, the Zealots, who wanted to overthrow the Roman government, if necessary, by force. And Jesus puts them together. The Zealot and the tax collector. It's not natural for those people to love one another. They're going to need something supernatural. See, they're going to need this love that comes from God who is love, God the Father, through the Son, as they say, connected to Christ. It's got to be a supernatural love. You had Peter. Peter's personality, bold, brash, braggadocious, not timid at all. And then you had others who were very timid in their personality, so much so that you don't ever hear them say anything in the Gospels. They probably were annoyed sometimes with Peter. Here he goes again. You had people in this group of disciples arguing with one another who's going to be the greatest, who is the greatest, who's number one. And here at this point, it seems the group is starting to fall apart because Jesus has said, one of you is going to betray me, Simon. Peter, you're going to deny me. You're all going to be scattered. And it seems like the whole thing is going to fall apart. How are they going to hang together? Jesus says, love one another. Stay connected to me. So that this impossible love that you don't have in yourself will be your gift that you can offer to other people. It's the same thing we need, brothers and sisters. We need to love one another through our connection with Christ. Not everybody here is alike, thank God. There are different personalities and temperaments among us. Not everybody thinks alike. Not everybody votes alike. Not everybody is interested in the, thing, in the same things. We're from different places, different social economic conditions. And so, in order for us to be together, to love one another, we need what these disciples needed. Stay connected to Christ. Stay connected to His love. And then we can practice loving one another. We can practice forgiving one another, forbearing with one another, relating to one another, listening to one another. And so, Christ is the source of that. And then, te- and then Jesus teaches the condition for being a person who loves like Jesus. Well, we've already talked about one condition. So this isn't the most crisp outline as I was thinking about it today. One condition is abiding in him. But the other condition here is obedience to him. Obedience to him. There's an intrinsic kind of connection here. It's, it's this idea that if I belong to Christ, I want to love Christ, I want to obey Christ, I will prove, as Jesus says, that I belong to him. By my fruit of discipleship. I will prove that I'm a disciple, rather, by my fruit of obedience. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Abide, meaning to dwell in. Isn't that a wonderful image? I will dwell in the love of Christ. My residence, my room will be in the love of Christ. As I stay connected to Him, and as I'm connected to Him, I begin to love the things that He loves. 
He loved to obey his father. He loved to glorify his father. And so we demonstrate our love for him by our obedience. He's not saying that we, listen, he's not saying that we earn his love by obeying his commands. Please hear me on that. He's not saying that we earn it. No, we love because he first loved us. It starts with his love. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. He demonstrated his love to them. Remember, he washed their feet. That came first. Then he went to the cross. It's a work of grace. His love comes first. It's not something we earn. But there is a relationship between the love of Christ and the law of Christ. On his side, the relationship is this, that because he loves us, he wants the best for us. And so he gives us his word. This is how you're going to find life. This is how you're going to find joy. This is how you're going to find flourishing. True love doesn't say anything goes. That's the mistake the world makes. If you love somebody, you just say anything goes. I won't push back. I won't critique. I won't criticize. Anything goes. That's not really true love. True love doesn't say anything goes. True love says, this is the way to go. This is the way you should go. Because this is the way of life. This way will lead to flourishing. This way will lead to joy. This way will lead to ultimate and eternal happiness. This is the way. And the other way will lead to death and destruction and enslavement and addiction. So true love does give the law. It's coming from a place of love. Christ out of love gives his law. And our obedience to the the law of Christ proves that we do love him. You are my friends, he says later on in this chapter. You are my friends if you do what I command. Our obedience to Christ shows that we're staying connected to Christ. Our obedience to Christ shows that we're connected to His love as the branch stays connected to the vine. Our obedience to Christ shows that His Word is abiding in us. He says that several times here. My words abide in you. Let my words take up residence in your life. There are other words, there are other loves that the world teaches us and that is tempting to let those words take up residence in our life. I read somebody who talked about these different kinds of love. There's self-love. There's money love. There's pleasure love. There's power love. There's success love. All these different loves are competing for our heart. Jesus says, let my love abide in you. Let my word abide in you. And you can be this kind of person who loves. As we stay connected to Him by abiding in His Word, and as we stay connected to Him through prayer, then we love what He loves. And He loves to obey His Father. He loves to glorify His Father. And that will become more and more what we love. And those competing loves will begin to lose His power, their power. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? 
How are we doing in abiding in Christ and staying connected to Him through His Word and through prayer? How are we doing in this matter of obeying Christ? I agree with what J.C. Ryle says. This is so important. The great Anglican bishop. There's a sense in which no one can keep the commandments of Christ. Our best works are imperfect. When we have done our best, we may well cry, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Only Christ obeyed the Father perfectly. But Ryle says we can't fall off on the other side of the horse and say, well, then we can't do anything. And we're not called to obey Christ because Christ empowers us to obey and to glorify the Father. So we can, by God's grace, show in our obedience, faltering though it is, that we are truly His, that we belong to Him. So that's the condition here. Abiding in Christ, obeying Christ, we will dwell in His love, that connection will be healthy, will be strong. And then the result of all this, the result of following Jesus' example and abiding in His love, the result of obeying Christ in this matter of loving one another, is joy, joy. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, full to the brim. Think of a cup, it's getting ready to overflow. That's the image. That's what God wants to do in our lives. Fill us with that kind of joy. He's not a joy killer, he's a joy filler. (laughs) And joy means here, gladness. It means calm delight. Could anybody use calm delight in their life? A little more calm delight? I would like some of that. Calm delight. I was in a committee meeting last week, and uh, for the diocese, we interviewed a candidate for the diaconate. To be a deacon in our diocese, you have to go through several committees and discernment processes. And I was on this committee to interview a lady who named Lisa who wants to be a deacon in our diocese. And uh, she was sharing her testimony of how she came to faith and how she wandered from the faith and then how she came back to faith. And she's part of this church that has this ministry to a homeless shelter and there's a nurse that goes from this church to this homeless shelter. The nurse is a wound specialist and she goes there and she gives pedicures and manicures and treats the wounds of women who've been abused and who are addicted to drugs. And Lisa said, this nurse asked me, do you want to go to the homeless shelter? And she said, yeah, let's, let's do that. I, I want to do that. And she had been praying uh, fervently. She's been praying that Jesus would reveal himself more to her. She was looking for more of Jesus, more joy in Jesus. And she got invited to go to this homeless shelter with this nurse to take care of these women who've been abused and many of them addicted. And she said, as I washed their feet and as I gave them manicures, they looked at me and they would say, thank you, thank you. They they were so appreciative of being treated with that kind of dignity they hadn't received in such a long time. And she said, as I did that, I knew that Jesus was with me. And she was experiencing the joy of Jesus 
in serving people like that. And she's like, I can't wait to do that every week. She was filled with joy as she loved like Jesus. And so, by the way, we did approve her to be a deacon. (laughs) I said, does it get any more diaconal than this? This lady is going to wash people's feet. And the other person on the committee said, is she making this stuff up? Green light all the way. But it's just an example of when we love one another, when we're being like Christ, there's a joy that comes with that. There's this idea in our culture today that freedom and happiness is found in freedom from, freedom from people. Freedom from sacrifice, freedom from commitment, freedom from. But as one social commentator said, he said, love's open secret is that there's greater freedom in committed love than can ever be found in serial encounters of non-commitment. There's greater freedom. There's an expansiveness there. There's a growth there. It's the way we're meant to be as image bearers of God who is self giving love. The end result of growing in Christ-like love in our families, in our marriages, among our friends, in the church is joy. And this joy is an appetizer. It's, a, it's an hors d'oeuvre. It's a sample. A little taste of eternal joy. Jesus is honest. He goes on later on and he says, I know that you're going to be facing suffering. Jesus is going to face suffering. He's going to the cross. He says, you're going to have sorrow. I know that. But I'm going to see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take this joy from you. It's an eternal joy. And when we love one another, we get a little sample of it in the here and now. It's a foretaste of what's to come. Friends, don't grow weary. Because if we can grow weary, don't grow weary in loving one another. Let's pray. What, what does this mean for you? What does it mean for me? To love one another. Does it mean offering forgiveness to somebody? Does it mean reaching out to somebody? Does it mean listening to someone? Does it mean having a hard conversation to move towards reconciliation? Does it mean picking up the phone or texting someone? What does it mean for you to love? We thank you, God, that you have loved us and you've demonstrated your love to us in Christ. And not only that, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are connected to Christ in this relationship of love. I pray that that love would go very deep in my life and in our lives, that we would bear much fruit for your glory and experience this joy that you promise. We thank you and praise you. Amen.